Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen watching a teen drama with your mother cast. So you just want to get right into it then? Yes, I watched this episode with our mother. Yeah. <laughs> so, for the listeners, my roommate went to Ontario for like six months, and then he came home, and then he had to isolate because he went on an airplane. So I moved into our mom and dad's house. Who are vaccinated. Who are vaccinated. And so I watched this episode with our mother. and Who, ha- who has does not watch Riverdale. No, she has seen like an episode here or there. Yeah. But she had two comments. And one of which is, why is Archie's hair still so bad? They've had so many years to get his hair right. His hair looks so bad. It's not a natural hair. It feels especially bad in this season. It's not a natural hair color. And then my mom, and then she was like, girls are good at dyeing their hair. And then Cheryl came on and she was like, look at her hair. Her hair looks good. And I said, well, mom, her hair's natural. And my mom, yeah. and mom was like, mm, no. <laughs> I was like, no, she's a redhead. And she was like, mm-hmm. No, Cheryl is a redhead. And then I had to look at some pictures of Archie's hair and like, look, mom, his hair is so dark naturally. He gets it dyed every two weeks. Yeah. I mean, the, the what we learn in the show is that they'll, they'll hire... They'll hire, like, redhead girls, but they will not hire redhead boys. Absolutely not. Every single redhead boy is someone who has had their hair dyed. And I do understand that only 2% of the population has red hair, but, like, girls have figured out how to dye their hair. Like, come on, show. I just think the show, probably for, like, the main main character who will be in there for six or seven years for how long they're doing the show, you'll probably be in their best to maybe... Just get somebody who is naturally a redhead. And, like, KJ Appa is sweet. He's earnest. His face is the shape of a comic book boy's face. Yeah. But. Like, I mean, like, yeah, this like this show could have, they, they cast someone from New Zealand. They could have found somebody who had. In this world. Yeah, who had someone, I, I think they could, like, he's, he's great, but, like, come on. Come on. Come on. It's, like, the one thing about Archie you have to get. Yeah. Uh, but let's get into it right now, because we got a lot to do with this episode. It was a interesting one. It sure was an episode. This this episode might be the most unearned episode. It's so disjointed, and I just kept watching and being like, but it's been 17 years. <laughs> it's been 17 years. 17 years is never the amount of time it's been, no. but also... it's Well, it's been 17 years. 17 yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the, I ain't seen you in a teen's age. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, before this takes a teen's age, let's get into it, because this is Riverdale, Season 5, Episode 9, Destroyer. Destroyer. Somehow Jughead, poor as he is, has set up like a alien hunting lab in Archie's bedroom or his garage where the 
there's band a, in the jalopy once There's was. a big old window in front of him. I also was trying to figure out where it was, and I don't know that it's in Archie's house. It's got to be in, like, the attic of Archie's house. Either that or he's he already stuck back into Betty's house. I mean, it's probably in the attic of Betty's house. The only other option is that it's, like, in the sex bunker, and somehow that sex bunker in seven years has, like, eroded away, and now it's above ground. He put a window in it. I don't know. Anyway, Jughead does have an alien home, and he will you know, do a voiceover of numerous things from this alien home. Yeah, and in the most case, he'll just quote science fiction writers. Um, he's going to go, he goes real back and forth on how much I feel like he believes in the alien thing. Sometimes lots. Sometimes, well, it's a fun thing to talk about. And sometimes, like, within the same scene. <laughs> this, though, cuts during his voiceover to Alice, who's really busy having the pills and wine. Yeah. yep. Taking pills, drinking wine, the universal sign of things are not going well. Uh, Betty takes the time to try to like, make her mom feel better. And she does this by being like, don't worry, the FBI is doing a blood analysis on the blood from the place we found. Which, once again, clarifies, I do not know. I, I, I really had the feeling that she was doing this under the table. And I still think she is. Which... But, like, the FBI is doing a blood analysis, <laughs> so how under the table can it be? Hey, guys, I was off. On that vacation for my mental health, you know, and I found some blood. Can you please test it? Just look at it. Nothing important. I'm just curious. Tell me about this blood. I have a question for you. Yeah. So, Betty lives in a home that her sister lives in. Yes. So, one would assume there are, like, numerous hairbrushes and toothbrushes that Polly has used. Yeah. So they distinctly have Polly's DNA. Yeah, yeah. So so why are they doing a blood test if they have Polly's DNA and could, like, decisively test, I assume, like, some tissue yeah, so we, that is mixed into this blood? So we can sort of, like, clarify this. The the What they'll do later on is that they'll – because – I think Polly's alive because you don't. Polly is one hundred percent alive. There's no show, body. Yeah, you don't not show as a body. But what there's what what happens is we get a oh uh, this blood is AB negative, one of the rarest blood types in the world. Less than one percent of the population has it. So clearly, this so, blood must be Polly's yeah, so blood because she's also AB negative. So they keep saying it matches Polly's, and I'm like, here's the thing. I'm going to say yes. That is a very low chance. But, but multiple people have eighty. Like one percent of the one percent of the popu of the population of the world is still millions of people. And like you have her DNA, and you have her blood, and I think there's DNA in blood. Yeah, it feels it. They clearly, clearly, she's alive. She's so like, totally so alive. So they can't do the um. Oh, actually, uh, yeah, you know, it, 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 is her, it is her DNA. Actually, it's not her DNA. We messed up, blah, blah, blah. Glenn but, hates Betty. But instead, like, I think if we had a scene where Betty was like, the chances are so low. Because she already said earlier on, hey, if we haven't found someone by now, there's a good chance they're dead. And if Betty just said, like, it matches her blood, the chances are so low. And maybe Alice went on a cleaning purge because Alice is crazy. So they don't have anything with Polly's DNA in their house. Yeah, I'm just going to jump. I, 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 I get to the fact that they could not do an actual match off of anything that they have in the house anywhere. But I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, we go from Betty and Alice to... Archie and the football team, and the football team is losing. In a shocking turn of events, a team that was started approximately one month ago 
is not awesome at being a football team well, yet. And not only that, they are so bad. I think they made them too bad. Getting zero points yeah, ever? they have never scored a goal. Now, to be fair... I think at this point, they probably could have only played, like, one or two games. So, so in one or two games, the team that has practiced sorry, a goal, seven times. A touchdown, a point, whatever it is. A kick. I mean, you do kick to get points. Well, you anyway. do a touchdown, and then you do a kick, but you could also do a different kick. A field goal? Are you a field goal? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so th- th- this team is so bad. So amazingly bad. Also, there's only 11 of them, so I'm sure they're very they, tired they and have to, very tired of being hit. Yeah, they have to play both sides. They have to play both offense and defense. Yeah. Like, they should have just made it that they've never won. I don't know why they decided, oh, no, they have never – because the rest of this uh, episode will be based around them scoring one point. Just get a point. And that will be, like, the moral victory that this episode's going to hang it. It, it's it hangs hat on. on, and like, why? I would be, I would be perfectly willing. I can suspend my disbelief far enough that this town cares that they've never won, despite the fact they've only existed for one month. Yeah, and not, not that like, oh, <laughs> they just need to score one point. Just, I, I think it's because like they're going to play the Stallions at the end. They don't want them to beat the Stallions so early. It's impossible. So they had to give them a different goal. Yeah. It, it it's it's too bad. This team is atro- is atrocious. But apparently they're so bad that Archie, despite trying to inspire them, instead Veronica. But here's the thing: in this scene with Veronica, where she's yeah. like, "Look, tiny teenagers, I will pay ten thousand dollars for the first person to score a point." Yeah, I'll just bribe the team to play better. <laughs> The team they lost against is the number two team in the league. Yeah. And then they're going to play the number one team next. Um, also, there is a scene where a vixen named Cassandra yeah. tells Cheryl that they could have been practicing for regionals or nationals or some glee nonsense yeah. instead of cheering for this football team who fails, which is a bad attitude for a teenager to have. And any normal adult would have been like, it's not about that. Yeah, but no, Cheryl does think this is stupid. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so as, as Aaron said, Veronica's plan to inspire them is just to be like, hey, first person you get the point gets $10,000. I'm like, yeah, that's a very Veronica thing to do. And then a kid named Derek is like, man, I love football, but I'm so sad that we lost because losing sucks. Also, I'm the best player on this team, Archie. And also, I love being a football player. Football's so good. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. Derek is a sweet boy who is encapsulated with that. Yeah. Uh, so that sort of encapsulates the entire problem. You know, they got to get, they gotta get not only this team motivated, but, like, the town needs to get motivated behind it. And also that. it's sexy. Yeah. Um, Jughead uh, g- g- gives a call or takes a call from Sam Mama. And he's like, hey, Sam Mama. Remember how my story was about an old man who was retiring and then I made it about a town? Now it's about aliens. What does that, why is there no consequences in Jughead's story? Like I thought I thought the entire thing was going to be like, "Oh no, he's going to have to write about his town again," which made people angry. Like you know, he he used Pop Tate's uh story as the, you know, the fodder for his novel. No, Riverdale no. only cares about murders and then that now and he, to be fair, his, his 
his pitch is really good. Like his pitch is like, oh no, I'm I'm being smart aliens, but like it's about the collective trauma of a town. The thing they'll constantly be hammering, which I think is going to be the big reveal. Which is that aliens are a metaphor for, for trauma. trauma. <laughs> that when something we when something bad happens to you, you replace it with aliens, and. It's it said so much in this show that not that when something traumatic happens to you, sometimes your mind will do something to like, replace it. It's always aliens. Aliens are a replacement for trauma, and trauma will be replaced by aliens. They are a one-to-one ratio. <laughs> Which would be fine if this was a town that was obsessed with aliens. But it's not. <laughs> so why is everyone doing this, Jughead? It also sounds like they're implying that's how it works everywhere (laughs) not just in Riverdale but we don't have time for this because now Veronica has to go meet with Tabitha her big old plan her big old plan is she would like to do a free pancake breakfast for the entire town and the entire town will be so excited about pancakes that they will love the bulldogs he works for the stampede (laughs) but also would Pop Tate like to be a sponsor of the Bulldogs, which I thought Jughead was going to ask Tabitha, but I guess not because Veronica? <laughs> I bet he did, and Veronica's like, I came up with a smart plan. But what Tabitha does think she should do is order some pancake mix and some maple syrup. Uh, Veronica's, no, I have a line on maple syrup because, I mean, I assume that's who Tabitha would have ordered it from, but... Veronica's going to get them free maple syrup. But Veronica's not going to ask for this free maple syrup. She's going to make Archie do it. Well, Veronica's there. Yeah, but Cheryl hates Archie. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think, I don't know if, the, if Veronica's aware of that at this point. I think she might still be under the mindset of, like, she gets that weird Jason look whenever she sees Archie. And maybe that has progressed. <laughs> so Veronica and Archie meet with Cheryl. And Cheryl says, your team sucks. I give you no maple syrup. And also, vixens can't be cheerleaders. Yeah, I'm not donating some of my precious maple syrup. But Cheryl, your maple okay. syrup company, I think, sucks. So don't you want the free publicity? I mean, like, I don't... Like, it's not really free, but it's, it's Riverdale. Everyone knows. My main problem with this is that Cheryl, I want to redeem my family name... Does not want to do charity? Every single opportunity that comes up that could be seen as, hey, Cheryl, this might make people hate your family less, she goes, no. She... We... We know she said it out loud. She said out loud in the third episode of this season that I want to redeem my family name. That's why she broke up with Tony. That's That's why why she she is rebuilding her house. Yeah. That's why she is doing art (laughs) things. Yeah. But every single time an opportunity comes, not once or twice where, like, it makes sense if you think about how Cheryl... Uh, thinks about things. No, every single time someone's like, hey, do you want to help the town? She goes, F off. (laughs) Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. So Archie, upset about this, is like, fine, I'll do it myself. And God, did I hope that means that Archie would would go and do some cheerleading on the, on on like, the, the sidelines during games. Like, fine, then I'll be a cheerleader. But instead, he goes to Miss Bell and takes the... And does an announcement that's, I'm going to be honest, 
is not the most inspiring speech he's ever given. It's a little bit angry. There's a little undercurrent of like, how dare you not support my football team? Maybe you should come to a free party and get some joy and also spread some of that joy to a football team. Well, here's the thing. Like, if you just look at the way that is written, it feels like this just announcement. Like, if I was at the school, I'm like, oh, Archie Andrews has just announced that there's going to be a, uh, a pancake breakfast. That's cool. Like, there's a little bit of tinge of anger, but mostly it feels like like a simple... It doesn't feel inspiring, but it's enough that Cheryl's like, fine, I guess I will stay then. Also, during this scene, um, Jughead listens to the announcement and then makes his students hand in a paper. But, oh no, one of his students' short stories has a cover page that has a Mothman drawn on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this student's name is... Lerman Logan. Lerman Logan. Which is a name that no human has ever had in their lives. Lerman? Lerman Logan. Lerman Logan. Is either that is something from Archie Comics or someone trying to do a name from Archie Comics? Look, Kevin, I don't watch the episodes with subtitles, which I know you do, but I was so distressed by the student's name, I rewinded three times... (laughs) And they put subtitles on. They don't even say it, Aaron. It's on the screen. I didn't read that. I was looking at the drawing. (laughs) Weatherby is reading the Mothman story because not only did Lerman draw a Mothman, he also wrote about the Mothman. Yeah. So Jughead has concerns about the story because once again, aliens equal trauma and trauma equals aliens. Uh, the, The story... And to, to be fair, like, there's a lot of, with what Jack has been looking into, there's a lot of really weird parallels. And so essentially this is a story about a young boy who was kidnapped by Mothman. Molemen. Molemen. And that he was hit. He, he was, was locked up by he them. He was locked up by Molemen. He escaped and was taken by Mothmen. And, like, very bad things happened, but he, he escaped. Then he escaped at the end. Um, and and Jughead's like, this is a creepy story, right? Like, kids shouldn't write these stories. Well, I mean, and I, like... <sighs> whatever and then weatherby's like no 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 no. i talked to his parents and they're cool and well, that's what a good educator does well, just talks to the parents i mean we should be clear L- also lerman gets hurt a lot yes lerman has come to school with so many injuries yeah. but weatherby talked but, to his parents and they're cool yeah a burn a broken arm some crutches some crutches but it's cool it's fine he talked to the parents. He to He's the, a good educator. Talked to the parents. Now, to be fair, he will sort of reveal that he, like... He, he is correct. Yeah, he's correct. He got the right vibe from them. So we can't... I can't go on whether it be too hard. Like, However. Him, yeah, it's one of those things where I think we get another idea of, oh, this person, like, they're saying something in the poor way, like... He's, him saying, oh, I talked to the parents might not be the becomes, entire thing. He becomes infuri- infuriated with Jughead later because Jughead dares to talk to the kid about it, which is definitely a thing that an educator should do. Yeah, yeah, man. They're so angry that Jughead decided to talk to the child. About his numerous injuries and his creepy story. Yeah. And then the parents are like, how dare you talk to the child? And then Weatherby's like, how dare you talk to the child? It's, it's, You're going to be fired soon. Yeah, well, Aaron, it is, it is a private school now. That's true, and Jughead might lose that non-paying job. I'm more offended it's a private school and the fact that, well, now the parents are... The they only, have all the power. They have all the power. No one cares about these kids. But we're not there now. First, we go to the pancake party, where the pancake party is in full swing, mm-hmm. and Cheryl delivers the maple syrup. Because Archie's 
Because Archie let everyone know there would be a pancake breakfast, and she's like, well, I guess you actually were going to have one. But, like, all of the tables already have pancakes, and Cheryl's like, look. (laughs) I'm just saying, this typical Cheryl, party's already going, and she's like, I helped the party. I made the party happen. Oh, we just used the syrup. I guess I'll just put this into the back room, because we already used up all our syrup. That we already have, Cheryl. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, Archie spent some time for somebody talking with Derek and his mom and his mom is going to say things that is unreasonable for a woman who lives in a town that's not a town and very foreshadowing like when she first says it also Archie's like yeah hey Derek's really really good he, he's doing great things and then out of nowhere she's like yeah but what does your team do for for Derek football is his ticket out of this town and to be fair that's very true in a lot of these things but Archie's um, like she, I, need, I need to think about my son not the whole team and, and Archie's like he's a boy who goes to a school that didn't have a football team until a month ago I'm most yeah how is he so good at football <laughs> like if you cared about football being his ticket out of this town why didn't you go literally anywhere it's, else? It screams of like he th- this kid joined a football team four four weeks ago, and it turns out he's good at football. And his mom's so like, oh. so his mom is stage mumming the hell out of him. Like he's got to be a star. He's got to be like he got the he 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 landed a commercial deal, and his mom's like, he's got to be the next Brad Pitt. And Archie's like. Okay. Okay. He's also unclear what she exactly she's threatening to do. She says these things, and Archie goes, "Okay, so I'm a like, football team. Like, what do you want? Would you like me to invite <laughs> college recruiters? Because I can do that. <laughs> but, but it's the fall, and, and that I, happens later. And I prob- probably don't want to recruit them to when we can't even score one point. So perhaps when Derek scores some points, yeah, I could." Do would you like to talk to my friend Mad Dog? Anyway, uh, the, the, this every, is interrupted. Yeah, because Reggie arrives. So uh, Archie and Veronica go talk to Reggie, and he's there from the Greater Rockland County Football League, which means we know that Riverdale is in the Greater Rockland County because they're an unincorporated town. So really, they should only be interacting with the Greater Rockland County Board. So they literally have never. No reason ever to talk to Hiram. And in fact, does that make Sheriff Keller the only sheriff in In greater Rockland County? I don't know. Because if this football league has all of this power, why does this county only have Sheriff Keller? Yeah, like there's there's got there's probably like eight or so, eight or ten teams in this in this county, which means there's eight or so high schools in this county. I think that's what he said, what Reggie and says. for oh. some reason, this football league, which has more power than any sheriff, feels that Riverdale has lost four or two games in the past month. And that makes them an embarrassment to this league. So they should withdraw because they're bad at football after two to four games. Aaron, in defense of this league, yes. This team has not scored this. At this point, they just might be like, this feels insulting to the children. But if they've only played two games and they've scored zero points, that's not fair. Yeah, like that's uh, the problem is they're treating like, 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 oh, you played the entire season and you haven't scored a goal yet. Like, no, they haven't. They played like two games after having two weeks of training. And this will come up because in this episode they distinctly say that that Polly has been missing for four weeks. 
Yeah. And yeah. Polly went missing in the episode after Archie made the football team. But she went missing. No, sorry. Archie no, she, made... she went. She went. She disappeared um, at the end of the episode before the football team. So what you're saying then is it could have been less than four weeks. This it's... team has literally existed for a month. Yeah. The way the way that it is that that the the team essentially starts a couple days after Betty or after um, Polly disappears. They don't know she's like missing at this point. They just know she hasn't returned home. But it's a thing she does. So this is. Wildly unfair to these kids who are still trying to get their sea legs under them. Now, now to be fa- now once again to be fair, um, it's clear that that like this is definitely a scheme from Hiram. Oh yeah, like, Hiram has like just this, like strong armed these men to hate this town that doesn't exist. Well, I mean, I think he was just like, well, we want to shut down the, this uh, football team, and they're like, you mean the, the team that is there has, has is, existed for th- four weeks is demonstrably bad. Like, they shouldn't have let them compete. They have had no time to practice. It's not fair. It is not fair. Like, they should have at least a month to practice before they have to do games that count for something. Yeah, like... like practice games are fine. Like, they, they should... Like, it's, it's, it's rough to say. They shouldn't have let them into the league to begin with. Like, the entire football program just started, like, a week or two before... Before their first game. Their first game started. And usually these people are doing things over, like, the summer. Two-a-days in the summer, that's right. Yeah. So, so like it's 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 hard to look at this because on one hand they're being entirely unreasonable, but on the other hand, letting them in was also entirely yeah, unreasonable. This, this team is demonstrably a bad football team. But also, they can't get better if they don't play against people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they need more members <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh. That's the scene. Yeah, that's that's the entire thing. Meanwhile, Tom Keller is helping Kevin move out of his house, and Daddy Keller is like, so, like, a week ago you were getting married, and now these things happened, and Kevin's like, I don't want to talk about it, I don't understand my character development. <laughs> I, it just needs to be, uh, you know, I need to move on with my life. And I'm like, Kevin, you're still having a baby. And then he does have a line where he's like, I don't deserve happiness or a family. I'm like, oh, great. You're talking to Cheryl. Great. Hell. This is not a good, like, he's still having a baby. Like, the the, the fact that they- cannot walk away from that child. The fact that they keep on just skipping over the fact that Tony's going to give birth, like, three, like, in a week. She's not in this episode. Maybe she's giving birth right now. Kevin can't just be like- Oh, no. My emotions. I'm sorry. I know nine months ago we decided that you're going to have a baby, but I got to just... It's not my problem anymore. We can't dwell on this because Veronica must confront her father in his 1960s man cave. Yeah. So she believes he's the one who wants him to draw from the league, which is obviously true. So they make a very dumb bet. Which is... If the Bulldogs score a single point, one, one point. single point. Not even a touchdown, a point. So they could kick the ball and the ball could accidentally they, bounce into well, the end. They could they could just do a field goal. They yep. could just they could just decide to kick it through kick it through the lines and it would not the lines, the uh whatever the, the big pole the goalpost, that's what it is, the goalpost. So if they <laughs> kick it through the goalposts, then Hiram will stop being a dick, specifically about the football team. Yeah. And if they don't do it, they'll they'll leave the league. 
Which, I mean, to be fair, are they ready to be in the league? No. no. Do they definitely need to play against <laughs> other teams to get better? Yes. I mean, they well, yeah, but they can practice their own. Yeah. There's only 12 of 11 of them, Kevin. They cannot practice with themselves. You can practice with full-grown adults. <laughs> be fine. <laughs> Just find some adult men. Yeah. Well, they can practice against the uh, firefighter team. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Firefighters not mentioned in this episode. Uh, Jughead decides that he needs to go talk to Lerman and... We learned about these dreams, uh, and this is where Jughead's like, oh, you know, dreams, like, alien abduction dreams are trauma. So, when we talk about dreams, we mean very specifically, Lerman has had dreams about the Mole Men. Yeah. And also about the Mothmen. Yeah, the the book is based on dreams he was having, or the short story was based on dreams he's having. And then Jughead just, to be fair, he just makes a casual suggestion being like, Dreams are based on trauma. Has someone ever locked you somewhere? You can tell me about it. I don't think he asked about the locked. No, he does. He says oh, yes. someone ever locked you up. Um, but he, yeah. So he's essentially just trying to like gauge things with Lerman, and Lerman is acts is very like what a skittish in this. Like if I was talking to this kid and be like, "Hey, yo, everything fine?" He's like, "No, everything's fine. No, everything is no, totally <laughs> like, fine. everything is not Absolutely fine." fine. Okay, everything's not fine. <laughs> everything's not fine with this kid. And then off Lerman goes. And Jughead's like, that was... Not okay. Hmm. Hmm. But meanwhile, Betty goes to visit Cheryl. <laughs> because Cheryl's not, uh, I guess, just not an isolated person anymore. We've been over this. <laughs> Betty would like to talk to someone about grief. She draws parallels between Polly and Jason, and it's not comparable it's not. So she says to Cheryl, like, oh, when you didn't know what happened with Jason, you felt one thing. And then when you found out that he was dead and you knew he was dead and you knew what happened, was that better? The problem is, is she- that Cheryl did not think Jason was dead. Cheryl thought that Jason had escaped to his happy new life. Yeah. So if 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 Cheryl had never learned that Jason was dead, she would assume he had escaped off to his Happy life. Maybe he left Polly behind, and that sucks. But she would have been like, okay, my brother's still alive. He just ran off somewhere. And I miss him, but it's he's not... having his life. But she speaks from a place of authority. Like, uh, when I when I finally found out the truth, I was just so... It's like, Are you still keeping the lie, Cheryl? Everyone knows. That you helped your brother run away. Like, are you... St- and you thought he was run away. Are you still pretending you didn't what is happening and as if cheryl is the only person betty knows who has lost a loved one do you know do you know who she could talk to she could talk to that girl's mother <gasps> the woman she met just last episode like, like to be fair that is a pretty roughly for the fbi but that agent. is like a very specific thing where it's like hey you didn't know what happened to your daughter for years and years, <laughs> and now how do you know? How yeah. do you feel now that you know? It could even be a scene where she does it pretending it's an FBI. Like, I just want to ask you a few more questions about the case, even if you can figure anything else. Um, how did you feel? Like, this seems, is this the FBI need to know? It just it helps helps with background. Like, rather than her going to someone who it's not, it's like they forgot what the premise of the first season was. <laughs> So um, Cheryl thinks it's better now that she knows, because now it allows her to grieve. And then Betty reveals that Polly is dead. Yeah. Well, Cheryl will, she not, thinks. Cheryl will not reveal that she also kept her brother's corpse for a while. So she de- it definitely was better knowing. And she also kept that doll. Yeah. Uh, so going back to the school, we learn that Derek has transferred to Stonewall Prep. And, you know, fair enough. And Archie 
also thinks fair enough. Yeah, they're an actual football team, and and he's apparently a savant. And, you know, Veronica's like, hmm, well, I understand you only have ten players, and that's a problem, but I have an idea. Aaron, a genius Aaron, idea. Yes. Yes, she refers to a G. It's a n- time for another one of my genius plans. And like, we'll <laughs> find out what this plan is and is akin to her uh, firefighter plan. team plan. Same, same plan she always has. <laughs> and it's not a genius plan. But it's also not a sexy people take their shirt off plan. Yeah, I was going so. to be like, I swear to God, Veronica, if you make those boys and girl do some sort of like car wash. But <laughs> they won't. No. Because meanwhile, Alice Cooper is busy being in sorrow in her home, as Alice Cooper does. And Betty sees her mom in sorrow and realizes that she cannot tell her that her daughter is dead. <laughs> so Betty says, oh, blood's not a match. Uh, but this leads right into the fact that now now Alice is strangely revital. I guess she was... She was rough, and then she saw the blood and was even rougher. But then she realized there's hope. Yeah, so it's like this idea where um, she's almost overcorrected and is too high now, because Betty comes down, like, the sun is shining, and Alice is like... Doing a bunch of baking. It's beautiful morning! I ordered some cold cuts from Pop Tates! Yeah, so she's doing, um... <laughs> I don't think that's the, the tune of the song at all. Uh... She she decided like she actually is going to go to that support group. I want to put a pin in something. This episode, this moment, yeah. right now, Betty walks downstairs, and as I sing, Alice says, "I ordered a platter of cold cuts from Pop Tates. Go and get them." Yeah, and I just want you to remember that in this moment, this scene, yeah. right now, okay, Alice said to go get those cold cuts. Yeah, okay. Okay. Meanwhile, <laughs> Jughead goes to Weatherby's office. Well, he gets in trouble with the principal because he's a rebel. Because Lerman's parents are there and they're like, how <laughs> dare you talk to our child about his trauma? Because <laughs> Lerman snitched on him. And they're like, how dare you indulge his fantasies? And at no point does Jughead say, I didn't. I just wanted to make sure his fantasies are reflective of a deeper trauma. Yeah, they seem to be like, I don't know what Lerman told them, but they seem to be accusing him of being like, yes, chase your aliens. G- do it. Jughead specifically, did, he said the story was good. Yeah, he actually said the story was not real. Is it a representation of something else? And he only said that after he, heard, he learned they were based on dreams I had, and Lerman was already kind of acting like sketchy and weird. Anyway, Weatherby... Uh, is on their side and he he uh, this this is very confusing he decides in this school that has you know it almost closed down there's a second english class in the grade of lerman which i guess is grade 11 and it's not and it's not taught by jughead no you know actually he doesn't confirm that he says we'll move him to a different english class and then once the Logan storm out, Weatherby is like, "You're on thin ice here, Jughead Jones." And I'm like, "Weatherby, who's going to teach your English classes?" I think, yeah, I think he does this for free. Yeah, who who's going to do this for free? Yeah, I. This would work in a different school. Yeah, not not this weird private school. Well, we don't have time for that because now Cheryl has to call Fangs. 
noted trucker and Kevin Keller, who 110% should be at the school teaching one of his seven classes. <laughs> no, instead, it's time for um, her to attempt a therapy session because she feel- feels bad that her know. key party made I... Bangs and Kevin break up. Well, I mean, to be fair, she doesn't actually know the entire, like, like the entire story. So I think in her mind, she's like, oh, yeah, I made them have sex with other people. And then they, they, they broke up with each other. She doesn't know about, like, any of the other things. I think actually this, what this therapy does is it lets Cheryl be like, oh, it's not my problem. Okay, bye. Great. Good, good. Anyway, uh, they, as Fang says, the, the party, the, her little game, has revealed uh, deeper, deeper problems. Because apparently, Kevin has never been all in. The eight years. They're having the a... The eight years they've been together. They're having a baby. Which was Kevin's idea. And then Fang says, in these past eight years, I have realized I think you're ashamed of being gay. And it's hard for you to be with a real gay man, me. Things. Yeah, Kevin only Kevin only wants to uh, hook up in like secluded places. He doesn't want to, and Kevin responds with "Thanks, you don't understand me in my past." I'm like, you don't know me what over you, these past eight years. What do you? Well, no, that. What do you mean? You guys are both gay men from the same town. And like, like you don't, Kevin. You don't really have a past because well, you met him when you were sixteen. Well, and not only that. Kevin, you're the son of the sheriff. He was just a, like, gang member. And I think the gay son of a sheriff probably gets a little bit more respect than the gay gang member. And here's the thing. I am not disregarding people's past. I am disregarding Riverdale's ability to do storytelling. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin is talking like a... 30-year-old man who started dating this guy when he was 27. It's like, you don't actually know about what I was beforehand. Kevin is talking like a character from the Laramie Project, a story that took place in the late 90s. People have known each other since they were 16. Yeah, Kevin and Fangs have grown together. And Kevin went to a noted theater program where he would have met lots of people who went through experiences like he has yeah it it does him doing the him doing the you don't understand what i what i've been through as a gay man to another gay man from the same town like i don't know what they what they've been through true but i have to think fangs has an idea and i just think this is the wrong (laughs) time in the journey of the show to tell this story well i mean we might as well just, let's just do his storyline because it goes into a scene that actually is like acted quite well and it's quite heartfelt, but once again falls apart on closer inspection because he tells his dad, like he's talking to his dad, and he says the line that I think I'm ashamed of being gay. But then he explains it further because his dad goes, "Oh my god, <laughs> was, was it me? Did I do something?" And his, <laughs> he goes, "No, no, 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 no. I went shopping with mom, but, but, and mom said I needed husky clothes." Yeah. <laughs> And so, because I was so sad about needing husky clothes... I went into the forest. And I didn't know that gay men found other gay men there. Mm-hmm. But then a gay man said that I was cute. So I'm not clear if he was molested in the forest. Or if he just... Or like, if he met another 14-year-old. And then he just, like, liked that... To well, no, 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 I, 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 I feel like something happened there, but I'm not clear... 
yeah, if, he met not... a, if he met another 14-year-old who said he was cute and they kissed. Or, or if, if he was met, a grown man. If he met a grown adult who molested a 14-year-old. Because remember, Kevin is openly and confidently gay at 16. And so what he takes from this is that he takes validation from men. Which is actually a very valid and interesting storyline. But the way that they that what he says when they portray it is that Kevin is ashamed of being gay. But like being ashamed of being gay and being ashamed of the fact that you take validation from the the sex that you're attracted to are different things. Yeah, you take validation from attention. He likes having people have attention on him, which is why he likes cruising because people are forever continually having affection. Continually, different people are. Paying attention to him, and, and that's, that's a, an interesting storyline. That's a storyline, and and like, but wrapping up with "I'm ashamed of being gay" because I I like it, and like again, I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Kevin's a straight man, so we can't actually speak to this experience. Yeah, but the storyline is just told in like a heavy-handed, clumsy well, way. And the way that he that he does it is that he says like he he goes like. Like oh no you you've always been accepting of my um uh like my my orientation you've always been accepting of me but mom called me husky you're like wait so your wait, mom was huh? accepting of you but she said you were fat yeah your mom called you call, your mom called you husky so you're ashamed of being gay how does that track or is the storyline framed in a way that his mom called him husky and then he became gay because it's kind of also framed in that way yeah he discovered he's gay because his mom called him husky but but like it's it's like if it felt like they're going to set up that his mom like once casually made like like, oh we better buy you pink t-shirts because that's what boys like you like right yeah but it said no she called him husky and then I honestly can't. Which made him tell ashamed of being like if, if he was if husky. The story, like I, I just I don't if, if her calling him husky gave him body image issues, which I mean, yeah, he's searching out searching for validation from people calling him cute. Yes. Yeah. But why is it tied why did they decide like, oh, we also have to really tie this into him being gay? Because this is the only thing that this show can do. <laughs> this show does not have to, does not know how to tell Kevin's storylines without them being like wrapped up with him being gay. All right. Well, whereas it's just like an element of his being. Well, heading back into a, into football, uh, Hiram is obviously irate that people are having any sort of positive thought about this team. So he's like, Reggie, go break some kids' legs. And Reggie's like, um, I don't want to do no, that. No, absolutely not. And I'm, then- I'm doing a whole lot. I'm both the coach of a team. I'm also like. I went to the representative of the league and I also have to walk through a swamp all the time and look for dead bodies. Why isn't Arch why hasn't Archie ever been to a league meeting? Does Archie know there's a league? Anyway, so Hiram is like, like F you, Reggie, how dare you not beat up children? I'll I mean, that seems like a thing that Hiram got upset about. I guess I'll coach the team for this. One game. For this one game. And then Hi- then Reggie's like, I'll go to fine. Then I'm on the Bulldogs team. It's like do you not think that that would be disheartening to see your coach <laughs> join the opposite join the opposite team, team and then just this guy this man is, like, is I'm there? Your, I'm your coach now. And like, why did our coach leave us? Because he hates you. Play a good game. While this is going on, Archie's also doing a football team meeting, and 
you know, his team's pretty sad because they only have 10 members. But don't worry, because of Veronica's, Veronica's going to come. Her genius plan. Remember that guy from, like, the first season of The Flash Forward where I was like, I don't know, he's like a boxer or a rapper or a something? He's a football player. He's a football player. His name is T-Dub. And T-Dub's going to come and monologue at those children. Yeah, he's the guy who um, Veronica helped with his portfolio. Now, he's going to just give some vague like inspirational stuff to this team because once again this tr- team is demonstrably bad like what would be useful is to teach them strategy and how to work as a team and like some cool football plays that no one would expect it, instead he's just like hey kids it's me mean joe green here i'm to talk, here here to talk to you and inspire you and the thing is, he gives this speech, which I guess is really cool for, like, the kids, but the, but the audience does not care about him. Him giving this speech, we're like, okay, cool, here's a dude we've never seen before. I mean, we have seen, but, like... Also, he plays for the New York Goliaths. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron. Yeah. Other yeah. kids of Riverdale <laughs> High think this is so cool, they all also want to join the football team. Yeah, what? So, uh, so... Our- Veronica's plan. <laughs> Veronica's plan was not to make people shirtless. It was to hire or invite a celebrity to walk near the football field, which will make people. I, if any, I don't understand how him arriving would make people want to. It's like he just. Did these kids don't know the football team existed. Should he perhaps become the coach for a time? It's it's it does it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense that this would like cause people to want to join. But you know, I you know, seeing a celebrity, I don't know. So while all of this is going on, remember way way back when I was like, "Hey, Alice asked Betty to pick up the cold cuts yeah. for the meeting." Now, yeah, yeah. So she goes and picks up some cold cuts. After, you know, she has already gone to school for a day and Jughead has fought with some parents in Weatherby. Now Jughead is working at Pop Tate's and she goes to get those cold cuts. But guess what? She will not take those cold cuts home. <laughs> no, she gets she gets sidetracked hugely. So this meeting, I assume, was at 10 a.m. <laughs> I... Uh... I have a lot of problems with that timeline, Kevin. I don't know. I'm. I'm. Uh, she woke up before school, and her mom was like, "Go get those cold cuts right now." <laughs> and now a whole day of school has gone by, and Jughead is at his second job. Yeah, maybe, maybe there's a scene in the middle there where where Betty was like, "So, do you want the cold cuts like right now? Because I need to go teach at school." And Alice is like, "You have a job? What?" I- I thought you cared about this family. <laughs> How you abandoned us and our cold cuts in this time of need. And Betty's like, I'm the only person who lives in this house who's paying the mortgage, Alice. When are you having this meeting? Tonight at 7 p.m.? So I could get them after school then. But look at all these muffins I made, Betty. The muffins will go bad while I'm waiting for the cold cuts. I need the cold cuts sitting next to the muffins so they're both equal levels of gone bad. People will... <laughs> People, I, I will be embarrassed if people come in and they see that the muffins are a little bit more stale than the cold cuts are. Betty, I am running a meeting for sad mothers. They don't deserve fresh food, but they at least deserve the equal amount of bad food. I need to shame them about how their kids are probably dead, but mine is still alive. Betty? Betty! Betty will not bring the cold I'm cuts I'm going home. undercover into this meeting. 
<laughs> but he's like, no, I'm the FBI now. Oh my god, I wish the support group was another cult. He's like, mom, you're another cult again. <laughs> no, no, I think I'm undercover. So Betty will not bring the cold cuts no. home. Instead, she and Jughead will go to see Mr. Dreyfus. Yeah, because for the first time, they like they've they've ca- they've caught up on what they're doing, and they both mention the Lonely Highway. And Jughead's and like, "Oh, I know someone on the Lonely Highway. Maybe he knows something about Polly." So but they ha- he um uh, no he he immediately is like, "Oh yes, it was a shredded uh station, aliens." The aliens are back. I listened to their chatter on my radio. And in this scene, Jughead is like, oh, God, he's just going to talk about aliens again. Oh, shit. But it moves on to when he's, when, like, he's talking to Betty afterwards. He's like, but consider aliens. And Betty's like, no, men are kidnapping women on this highway, Jughead. And I can't let anyone else be kidnapped. Be- Jughead, I had a sister, and now I don't, and it's my job. It's my job, job, Jughead, to be a savior. I have to go do this. So she goes home without the cold cuts. And then she remembers everything that happened earlier in the oh, season in voiceover. Yeah, she stare. she like sits in front of a mirror, thinks about conversations with Polly, stares real deep into her own eyes, which I think we're supposed to be like, my God, Dark Betty has resurfaced. But you know what I see? PTSD Betty coming forward for the first time. Yeah, so she gets a gun. Meanwhile. This happens before the thing that we uh, said earlier, but we got to sort of catch up here so you know what's going on. So in a scene that I think is a dream sequence, because all of Kevin's stories are written so poorly, I cannot imagine that they happen in real life. It, it has a lot of the same feels of Betty's stream sequences. Kevin goes into the steam shower at the El Royale. It's not the El Royale, Aaron. This is Hiram's boxing club. Hiram still, has which... a boxing club that is not the El Royale? Yeah. Remem- remember that Be- that Archie and Hiram both had boxing clubs, and Hiram had this one, this fancy one with the steam room. It still exists. So when Kevin and Fangs had a sexy moment last episode that was in Hiram's steam room? Here's the thing. I, I'm willing to people to tell, tell me that I'm somehow misremembering, but this is where Hiram had all of his, like, weird gang meetings. In... I thought he just had that at Archie's club. No, no, he had his own boxing, boxing area. That was, like, a thing that went on for a while. Which, for some reason, still exists. If this is the El Royale, why does it have a steam room that is so fancy in a place that has been trashed? But then... Also, and, Aaron, El Royale is also the fire department. But then why were Kevin and Fangs having a conversation about how sexy Kevin's muscles were in Hiram's boxing gym last episode? Because apparently he kept his boxing gym open in it's Riverdale. It's in Riverdale? Yeah. Okay, either way, this steam room is in Riverdale, and a man named Shane, a man named Shane, for reasons unknown, is in this boxing gym in Riverdale. Oh, Aaron, he's from L.A., and he's visiting. Why? He, Why? He decided to visit this little unincorporated town. He has no connection to any of He's not like T-Dub's buddy or anything like that. He's... Like, if, if he had said, oh, yeah, a friend of mine... Uh, T-Dubs. Yeah, my friend T-Dubs came here. Like, he, he's just a man from L.A. who shows up in this town and then... Goes to a boxing gym and then decides to steam himself. Mm-hmm. And so Kevin calls him... Okay, to be fair, Kevin calls him hot. Kevin openly hits on him so hard and he reciprocates. And like, he, he was like, man... 
I heard the, the exact line is I you know true what they say about guys guys from L A they're hot and he's like well what do they say about guys from Riverdale and then Kevin the, dares <laughs> to touch his like knee yeah and then this guy freaks out but they don't. Like, I think we're supposed to assume he's freaking out because, like, Kevin oh, my God, I'm gay. gay. Oh, I'm not gay. I'm going to beat up this homosexual guy. But it kind of plays like he's like, how dare you hit on me in a steam room? Yeah, if it, the what, what he's saying sounds more like he's demeaning Kevin. Like, like Kevin's how, not hot enough for yeah, him. How dare you think you could hit on me? A guy from L.A. I'm so hot and you touched my knee. Because he doesn't. No, no, no. I touch your knee, Because he sir. doesn't. Like, it, it's like, but, like. He should have been more homophobic. Anyway, A, why is this man here? B, why a steam shower? C, oh, dream I, sequence. Well, after after you, you box, you need to, I guess, cool down with the steam shower. Meanwhile. I, I think you're confused about what steam showers are. Also, we're calling them steam showers for some reason, which is not a thing. Okay, well, I had a steam shower once, okay. which was a shower and also a steam room. Right. But it was mine, only for me. Yeah. Meanwhile, Betty stalks some trucks, and she sees some girls get into trucks, one girl, and then she beats up a trucker oh, yeah. because he can't creep on girls anymore. Yeah, so her new thing is she's just going to find, uh, <laughs> just follow women who are going to, I guess, prostitute themselves to truck drive. Though, I would like to say earlier, I don't think Polly was a prostitute. I think she was just hooking up with truck drivers for dr- and like giving them drugs. She had to she have been, been a prostitute, some, right? Yeah, she's getting something out she of it. She had to have been a prostitute as well. Anyway. Though, though they, they do also seem to clarify that, like, or, like, not clarify, earlier. They seem to mention that also sometimes women just want to hook up with truck divers. Anyway, Betty eventually stumbles upon John, who is the trucker who saw Polly on the night she disappeared. Yeah. And he says to Betty, no, no, you tried to arrest me, but you let me go, so you cannot arrest me again. So now she kidnaps him. Meanwhile, Weatherby calls Jughead, and he is upset, not because Jughead dared to ask a student if he had been abused by his parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Aaron, he's not just continuing on, hey, I don't think I really got my point across in uh, when you are talking in my office, so I'm just going to call you up at home and just sort of resume my tearing into you. Jughead, you did a thing a good teacher does, but that makes you a bad teacher. You cared about a student's welfare, Any- and you asked the student... Not the parents. Anyway, uh, just wanted to check in, make sure you still understand that I'm upset at you. I hope you have a good night. It's a new episode of Winter Soldier on. But also, just so you know, student ran away. Yeah, she, he asked, is Lerman with you? Which is a wild thing to be like, oh, that boy disappeared? Well, I bet Jughead <laughs> took him. I bet he's with his English teacher. <laughs> What does Weatherby think the relationship is between Jughead and Lerman? To be fair, Weatherby did join a cult. He's like, oh god, it's another cult. <laughs> anyway, Jughead's like, no, I'll find him. He's going to call in help. Uh, this help is Betty, who is currently in the middle of what I think uh, think should be portrayed as an escalation, but really feels like it is a... Wild sidestep a- from Betty's character. <laughs> Um, she has tied up John in the woods and is going to kill him. So she is... Oh, well, I mean, she starts by just beating the hell out of him. With a pistol. She pistol yeah, whips she, him. Yeah, she pistol whips him and quite repeatedly. He makes the compelling argument that he has a family. Yeah. Which, you know, excuses his repeated use of women. Hey, maybe they're in an open relationship. 
Hey, this is a, literally the thing with with um uh Jughead or not Jughead, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin I'm, I'm not okay with what Kevin did either. Fangs at least was just sleeping with different truckers. <laughs> um, so th- this the yeah uh Betty is just going to apparently shoot him. The the th- what I sort of put up is like this is a wicked leap up. I think in Betty's like. This Violence? dark Betty thing? Yeah. The like, last time we saw her attack someone, she... She, she covered them in maple syrup. Yeah, and now she's going to shoot a man. Yeah, like, it doesn't feel like a slow crawl up. It feels like, oh, well, now she's pistol whipping people and going to shoot him. Anyway, she does not shoot John because she gets a phone call. <laughs> no, it's that she's going to leave him in the woods overnight or maybe forever. Maybe someone will come tomorrow if she remembers. Anyway, so yeah, she she's going to go help uh, Jughead, and then we get into the game starting. That sort of just happened in the background. Yeah, I kind of thought this was going to be like intercut shots between the football game and trying to find this kid. No, I'm I'm kind of glad they didn't because we've we've already talked about the idea that using intercuts and having them don't be, work and having them be disconnected in such a way. Instead, when Jughead shows up, Betty has already found Lerman. He was just sort of walking on the side of the road. Yeah. So then, um, Lerman says Jughead. Oh my god, did this happen again? Because as it turns out, Lerman is a sleepwalker. And he has many times wandered out of the house. That's how he burnt himself. That's yeah. how he broke his ankle. Yep. And once, his parents even thought, like, the best thing to do is to give him the entire basement to hang out in, but lock him in the basement. Yeah, so, yeah, so I mean, not once. That's what they do. They yeah. forgot to lock him um, in, I think, last night is the idea. Uh, but yeah, they they set up a safe space for him to essentially, like, wander Roam there about. and lock. And, they, and yeah, they locked him in. It's weird how they, like, it, there's this idea that I think they were ashamed of it because they didn't tell, they didn't, like, explain to Miss Weatherby. And Mr. Weatherby never said, like, oh, he's a sleepwalker. Yeah. So they just said, no, no, we're cool. He's a good son. No, no, we're, we're fine. We definitely don't, you definitely don't abuse him. You can take our word for it. Us, his parents. And like locking him in the basement for his own safety, like a whole space with things that he loves. Yeah, like, 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 they, they didn't, like, like trap him down and seal him into a room. They gave him space so that he can still walk around but not hurt himself. Like, it's fine. We do learn that once he went missing for an entire damn week. And the fact that Weatherby didn't bring that up is wild. Yeah, he wasn't, well, I guess it was during the summer. But his, the fact that his parents were like, oh, yeah, and then he just went missing for a week. And we thought we lost him forever, but then he came back. And that's <laughs> why we lock him in the basement now. They're, they're... They're, descri- they're too chill. They're describing him like he's a cat. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, the cat walked away for a week. We thought, well, I guess that cat's gone. And then he came back and we we're like, cool, I'm glad this cat's back. We should keep this cat more safe. <laughs> okay, chill. Um, but they, they were very upset at Jughead because they thought his questions. These Here's the thing I'm going to say about these parents. They're not great, honestly. They focus on the wrong things. Well, no, they seem very based around like appearances. Yes, they they don't want they they're afraid that if they talk about it, it'll trigger it because that's what you do when you have a problem going on. You ignore it and then it goes away. They, they didn't like, even after he disappeared for a week. They're like, okay, cool. Then let's just keep doing. Obviously, everything's going fine. We just forgot to lock the door. No one took him to hmm, a therapist. Well, or a doctor just to be like, is what's causing this sleep? Like, what, what what's going on here? Is he what's, getting the rest he needs? How did he disappear for a week and he came back fine? Like, he disappeared for a week. That's a long time. Weatherby is not concerned about this. However, Betty and Jughead are. And they're like, we need to do some investigations. Yeah. Well, they they 
finding time to be like, maybe there's a connection because Betty's like, now Polly did say. That she was kept somewhere smooth and metal like and a spaceship. She, and she described it as a spaceship. <laughs> and Logan, I mean Lerman, does think he was in a spaceship. So maybe there's a connection. And so. maybe they want Polly, but they don't care about Lerman. Yeah, I, I'm 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 now more interested in what's going on here because is this is this like killer guy with the because we know the truck thing is the thing. Like mm-hmm. we know that's the thing. And trucks are like spaceships. So is yeah, like the back of a truck. Yeah. Um so is he just like picking up Lerman and put him down other places just for a goof? Because he's not a, a girl. A girl? He, yeah. He just keeps like, catching me like, ah, dang it, not a girl. <laughs> All right, well, I'll just put you down somewhere else. Oh well. Yeah. So um, Betty and Jughead decide to, like, reform the investigative bughead, and they'll pursue any lead, no matter how strange. How weird and spooky. Uh, so at the football game, Cheryl, Cheryl does a singing performance on a stage. She does a halftime show. So Cheryl does not know what cheerleaders are, because I can guarantee you, her cheerleaders will never win regionals <laughs> or nationals or whatever they're competing in, because they can't even do a basket toss. No, no, they they just... They can shimmy while a grown woman sings. Yeah, I I can't imagine seeing that and being like, yeah, this is a cool thing. Why why is the 25-year-old dancing and sing? Why, why is the 25-year-old the lead? It's Wearing not... different clothes than the children. She doesn't even wear she was, Vixen's she, colors. She wears her H- HBIC shirt. No, she wears like a jumpsuit. No, no, yeah, and it's HIBC on the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's red. Yeah. Like, sh- See, I'm so bothered by this. It, it's uh, the things. The Vixens are just like a bad team. Like, here's the thing: the 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 Bulldogs demonstrably bad. The Vixens demonstrably bad for different reasons. But the Vixens think they're significantly better than the Bulldogs. I mean, do you think we're going to see a Vixens like tournament, and it's just going to turn out every cheerleading team in this world does this weird like dance yes. thing? Yes, I do. That's and what I cheerleading does. <laughs> I will throw my white claw at the screen. Anyway, uh, now as they're getting toward the end and they have not scored a single point. The Stallions are ahead by 52. Um, Archie's going to give an inspiring speech. Now, here's the thing. They have to keep it inspiring, but all he's asking is for one point. So, like, the words he's saying aren't congruous. He's he- like, this game isn't over. The game isn't done. All I- you have to do. But then he segues into all you have to do is believe in yourself if you never stop believing in yourself you can't lose just believe in yourself forever believing in yourself makes you a winner even if you're a loser <laughs> and like the goal is to get one point like i i kind of wish that he was that uh, his speech was look we're not going to win this but we don't have to lose this we can score so, yeah we we can succeed on our terms yeah, and we, our terms might not mean winning the game yeah, but our terms are yeah we we can we like you know we can we came together and we're a team that should not exist. We should not be in this place that we are right now, but we are, and we can do the best that we can do with that. What we didn't mention earlier is, I guess, in the scene with T Dubs, Britta became the captain because Derek left. Yeah, well, she's also the she also is the quarterback, which makes sense because she's little and fast. Well, no, because I think she they said she's a cannon. She can throw real well, which as a quarterback, that's really what she that needs to, be able to throw. Um, however, the the which it's really set up like, oh yeah, she, Britta, she's got a cannon. The final play is going to be having the quarterback run. They're doing, yeah, she's doing a touchdown. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing um a, it's like a fake out or something like that. Because usually the quarterback does not run. But you know what would have been cool mm-hmm. if Archie had given them a play 
to do yeah. that only Riverdale's team could do. Well, I mean, just just like have Britta throw way farther than they think they they should. Like like the, the like, be the thing where it's like the stallions don't believe you can do this. They're going to push forward. They're not going to believe you can throw as far as you can. So it just shocked them. So what we are going to do is we are going to draw them forward and we are going to make them abandon the end lines and we're going to send someone back there and you are going to get the throw to them. Like yeah. this increasingly far throw that they do not believe you can do. Instead, they make her do the run because it's more cinematic. But like I feel like the throw could have been equally cinematic. It could have, and it would be, and it would make sense for what they set up earlier. Anyway, they get a point. Everyone cheers. Even Reggie. Reggie's wearing his bulldog blue. And then after Veronica was with Archie, we learned that Veronica did not tell him about the side bet. So Archie just won his team to do literally anything. And and Veronica's like, well, thanks to the side bet, they won't be trying to pester you to get off the league anymore. And Archie doesn't go, cool. What happens if we lost? The next day, Jughead goes to meet with Principal Weatherby, and it turns out that though he dreamed, he had this dream of meeting with Lerman and talking to him about what happened along the Lonely Highway and getting more information about those aliens. He cannot do that because it turns out that Lerman's parents were like, this town sucks. And they pulled him out of school, and now they've moved on to a new town with no forwarding forwarding address because there's no way they'll ever need their students' transcripts from the first half of school i mean they just that's con- not how schools work i mean they just they just contact them and get that if they need like they can still contact them back i don't know why they treat it like like they do it really hard like oh you can never talk to him again uh but they definitely can yeah um <laughs> i'm always mostly just just like you know they, they left riverdale and yeah good because they they said this idea that lerman constantly goes the lonely highway so maybe they should just give him a new place yeah maybe well maybe yeah maybe they should move sometimes the sometimes the cho- they did move but yeah, like it took him a long time to do it but like places and spaces are important yeah i mean well he they don't know what it is with the lonely highway but he keeps arriving at the lonely highway so yeah if just take him just away take him away from the lonely highway and maybe everything will be good I do not know how long he's been sleepwalking for. It feels like this is a little late to do it. But this is a real wrench in Jughead's plans. Yep, so he can't talk to Lerman anymore. Speaking of wrenches and plans, Betty arrives home and her mom is crying. And the reason her mom is crying is because Glenn is there. Yeah. <laughs> well, so Glenn... I mean, obviously, does not knowing that Betty uh, lied to her mom. They set this up like, my God, Glenn, why would you tell her? Like, probably because he came in, he said, I heard about Polly. I'm so sorry. Because the last time he talked to his girlfriend, he was like, hey, the blood matches your sister's blood type. And Betty was like, oh, I wish you had helped me. Why did you, well, you could have helped me and you refused not to help me. And, and Glenn like, was like, no, I, I did, did in fact offer to help you and you said no, but definitely I should help you more. Okay. So I'm going to come to Riverdale and help you more. And he says, like, I'm going to personally take over the case. And once again, that's portrayed as, as like, oh, boy, this guy is certainly evil. He's, he's stealing the case from Betty. But just the two things. Betty's not a full agent. And Glenn- she she asked him to help her. So he is a full agent, which means he can probably actually take FBI, like, resources and use them. And two, I'm assuming that somebody said, yo, this crazy FBI agent has just been beating up random people at, 
a truck stop and he's like, oh, I better cover for her. <laughs> he's like, the, it was an investigation. She was undercover. He's like, no, no, it, it, like, it, it's, it's fine. Like, he's not going to go there and turn her in, but he's going to be like, hey, I'm going to take over because apparently when you're there, you go right off the deep end. <laughs> Hey, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. For this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic went to a truck stop just trying to find a little bit of love, but instead it found an FBI agent who just banged its head into a uh, steering wheel? Yeah, yeah. I did, and I'm picking an obvious one, but it's Shane. Why is Shane in Riverdale? Why does he do a beat up of Kevin? Why is he in a steam shower in either Hiram or Archie's club? Neither of those are good options. That the that entire thing, like, there's nothing in that scene that makes sense in any way. Like, there's no approach on that scene that you can take that makes it logical. Why is he there from L.A.? Wait, you mean Hiram's gym still exists? Wait, you mean Hiram's gym is USA renowned? <laughs> A man from L.A. is in Riverdale think, or Sodale? I don't think, yeah, I don't think he's coming for that gym. I don't know why that guy decided to come to L.A. He, just, he clearly came to L.A. and then also decided to go to a gym, which is fine. You know, whatever. But, like, he's just steaming and then a man hits on him and then he's like, ha, huh, you're not handsome enough for me. Yeah, yeah. A he, man from L.A. Yeah, like, they set the scene up that is supposed to be like him, like him beating him up because he's gay. He's a victim of a hate crime. But they don't, like... It's weird to say they don't make it hate crime enough because it really does sometimes feel like he's just like, you're a hick. You're a hick from this nothing town and I'm a and I'm a fancy gay man from L.A. You're so ugly and I'm so handsome. How dare you? The only reason I think they made him from L.A. is because they don't want Riverdale to be homophobic. And I just so like, like oh oh yeah Riverdale Riverdale is the most accepting town ever but he was beaten up by by one of those regressives in L A and then one of those one of those West Coast homophobes and to be fair I guess he does come out of the scene being like mom said I was fat when I was fourteen and then I started hooking up with guys yeah so I guess it, Shane calling him gross but yeah but like just the way it's all framed. Does they, not tell the story this episode, I think, wants to tell. Yeah, the, the story is about Kevin has, inc- ver- has self-esteem problems and he seeks validation in physical ways by just getting people to pay attention to him. But instead the storyline like, is trapped he's asha- up. He's ashamed of being gay. And I'm like, ah, Riverdale. He's, n- he's not. Also, five seasons and seven episodes in is too late to introduce. Have this character yeah. Be ashamed of being gay. Yeah. When he has been so openly and proudly gay since Veronica loved him in episode one. Yeah, like... And they went to one of three clubs in Riverdale, one of which was a gay club. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, uh, did you find this debut moment? Yeah, and... I mean, obviously that's... Shane was pretty good. I gotta give it, though, to um, Cheryl being like, no... I don't want to give you the syrup, and I'm going to pull my my vixens. And then Archie is like, yo, everyone, there's a pancake breakfast going on, and you should do to support your team. And Cheryl's like, all right, I'm on board now. Like, why why even have her say no if her, if like... I if she's so easily turned by Archie's unsupportive... And, and I think, I think the right, the way to correct it is not, like... Obviously, she has to say it because you won't have tension. You won't have to be like, I'm going to pull my vixens and we're no longer going to 
support your team because Shale doesn't understand what it means to be like a good like I want to help this town to at be a all. part of a community. Anyway, um, I, I think what they had to do is have Archie actually do something that would motivate Cheryl to to help. Not perhaps just... him to do a pre-pancake, like play a game before the pancake. Maybe T T Dubs comes before the pancake breakfast. Yeah, I don't know. Just something, something that to make Cheryl's turnaround make sense. Not Archie just be like just just do what he did to her just to a wider audience it's like cheryl saw him talk to a lot of people and that has made her be like oh he didn't just talk to me he talked to everyone i have a cw honorable mention yeah and it is cheryl's sexy song well the football game happens and her cheerleaders it just reinforces to me that cheryl does not know what cheerleaders are like those cheerleaders be laughed out of any competition they can't even do a basket toss no they 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 literally cannot do any cheerleader tricks. No, they they could do TikTok dances, and they have they literally set up a stage on the side of the field for them to for them to dance. It's like a halftime show, and it would be. But fine. I think the game's still going on. It'd be fine if they were doing like cheerleader tricks on the stage because yeah. that would say something about Cheryl's like self importance, and that would be interesting. But they're not doing cheerleader things. Yeah, no, I mean. Well, we'll have to see what happens next week. But for now, Aaron. So um, give us your predictions for this mid-series finale. Hit us up on Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA at Instagram, at Twitter, and at gmail.com. And if you, you know, if you love us, if you want to be with us, give us your ratings, reviews, and subscriptions on Apple Podcaster or your podcaster of choice. Yeah, I, you, you said that with a high inflection, like you're going to keep continuing on. No, I think that's all the things I normally say, though I could not remember. But if you love books, Kevin has written so many books. So head o- on over to KevinWeir.com. KevinWeirBooks.com. KevinWeirBooks.com. And you can get all of his books, including All God's Fall, or also... <laughs> Endless Hunger. <laughs> That long break was her trying to think of it as I pointed to the book sitting right behind me. Hey, I got it. You did get it. Uh, and we'll get you next week. Why doesn't Hiram want Riverdale to have hope? What is happening on the lonely highway? I mean, there are other questions you could ask. Answers to all this and more on the next episode of Mystery Outsiders and Abs. Okay, a teen drama fan cast.